Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Tonight joining us, we got uh, Chris Platty. What's going on, bro? Man, what's going on, guys? Uh, good to be back on here. You can find my podcast. It's um, it's called Strictly Hip Hop. It's Strictly Hoop Talk. It's two podcasts in one feed. Um, the titles pretty much explain it all. Yeah, man. Good to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to talk. Uh, excited to talk some hoops with you guys because it's been a minute. Yeah, tell me mm-hmm. about it. And a lot <laughs> has happened in the uh, the NBA um you know as of last week that other voice you guys hear that's uh the folk 30 What's that's up, right Pete? that's right <laughs> so um so anyway we're gonna go ahead and get this show uh started um but before we do that it's dead in sports everything man follow us on instagram twitter um facebook the whole nine and um and just keep up with the latest news some of the craziest uh takes and sports highlights um, out there, man. So, so that's that. And uh, man, LeBron is beasting, yo. So we're gonna get into the Cavs, man, in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to give you guys a quick rundown of just some of the other news items that uh, that caught my eye uh, this week. Uh, Lane Johnson is out there talking crap about the Patriots, um, saying that they are a fear-based organization which is uh, causing a lot of people to be uh, be a little upset at Lane. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Some people are saying that they agree. Other people are saying that he should just chill out and just enjoy being a champion. Uh, things are starting to ramp up about uh, uh, baseball season. And the biggest thing that caught my eye was Yui Darvish uh, signing to the Cubs and um, – and yeah, you know, played in the World Series. He was terrible in the World Series, and uh, and now he signed a six-year contract with the Chicago Cubs for 126 million dollars. So that's going to be interesting. all guaranteed money. Yeah, Oof. man, that's nuts. That's nuts, man. But um, kind of so makes yeah. me wish I would. I, I it makes me wish I should have stuck with baseball. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, man. I I tell people all the time, man. Growing up, like if I was if I was anywhere close to an athlete that could choose between sports, like no doubt I'm going baseball or NBA every time. They're the safest, and you get the most money. Like, why would you not go that route? Yeah, I play right. I play both uh, baseball and basketball in my high school varsity days, and of course, me being a young, you know, hothead and all the, all the girls. Everyone was going to basketball games, so I chose basketball. But 
Yeah, I, I, I play. I was a rookie shortstop, man. You know, my dad always was like, "Yeah, you know, you should have, you should have stuck with being a shortstop." I'm not saying that he thought I was a bad, bad, uh, bad basketball player or anything like that. I mean, I started my varsity years, play AAU and everything. I just wanted to be with baseball because that's where everybody was at. I mean, basketball because everybody was like there. But if I don't play baseball, oh, I'd have definitely probably got a scholarship somewhere because I was a good shortstop. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. BZ the athlete. I only know BZ the hip hop head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was. Baseball and basketball was my sports growing up. Man, I, I always liked watching football, but I've never cared to play it. But yeah, baseball, and that's only because my dad played those sports. I used to see him play those sports when I was like a little kid. So I saw him play basketball and baseball, and I wanted to do that. Hey man, we're gonna lead the show off with the Cavs, man. Um, they made a lot of moves, a lot of moves last week. Uh, the trade deadline, and and we knew that was going to happen, man. There was there was just a lot of drama in in Cleveland, and you know, typically around this time is par for the course when it comes to them. LeBron James, as I once said on this show, is a drama king. He just he thrives in it, he loves it. But this year was a little bit different, um, considering the circumstances of of um, them trading Kyrie after he demanded to be traded, and um, LeBron not wanting him to be traded. Them trading him anyway and bringing in Isaiah Thomas, draft pick, and Jay Crowder. Um, if you guys have been following us for a while, you already know uh, what we think about um, those trades, those moves, the turmoil the Cavs have been in uh, so far this year. So out with the old, in with the new. So the Cavs brought in Jordan Clarkson, uh, Larry Nance Jr., who used to play for Cleveland. Uh, his dad used to play for Cleveland. Um, uh, Rodney Hood, and I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? George George Hill, George Hill, George Hill. So, um, so yeah, and out went Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, my boy Dwayne Wade is out of there. Um, who else? That's that's Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, yeah, he got bounced. Who, who, who just got Shumper. released by Utah? <laughs> yeah, Utah uh, brought him out, so he's he's a he's a free agent now on the waivers. I think he going. I think I think Minnesota will probably pick him up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that that play out. Um, you know, with him going back to Minnesota, um, and that would actually be a good fit. Not to get off topic here, but that would be a good fit with them only having Tyus Jones, I think, as the uh, as the backup point guard. And he's back. And he's back with Coach Tibbs too. Right, right, right. Um, but were so yeah. were he and Jimmy cool though? Because I don't know about that dynamic. I thought that was kind of a weird thing that was going on in Chicago. So I don't know if they're. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't even remember. I mean, I, I don't. I don't never. I don't remember hearing them not getting along when they was in Chicago. But that's that's a good. Yeah, I mean, I forgot about that. Well, I think they'll be cool now. You know, he just got married, man. He got to take care of the missus. So uh, you know, I don't know how much money he still got in the bank. You know, wasn't he complaining about having to take care of the kids and raise his family and stuff like that? So, yeah, yeah, I, I think when you see your your NBA career um, about to evaporate right before your eyes, and nobody want you, and you're not the guy that you used to be, you know, you'll you'll, you'll get it right. But um, but anyway, so yeah, that's interesting. So that'll be something to watch, and I'm sure, uh, you know, we may talk about it here on on the show. But, yeah, so anyway, new Cavs, man. New Cavs, who this? So they went up to Boston, <laughs> smashed Boston, uh, who hasn't been playing well as of late. And um, and now tonight 
They're playing the Thunder, so they get two tough matchups back-to-back. They beat Boston by 20-plus, and now uh, the Thunder went on a run. They had an 11-point lead. Thunder went on a run, and now they're going to halftime up 62-57 tonight. So um, what do you guys think, man? Like, do you guys think, like, are the Cavs back? Or are they back being contenders? Like, what do you guys think of this this new regime, these new pieces that LeBron has to play with? Um, I, I think it's I think it's good that they I guess you know went young you know um, they got they definitely got some young athletic guys that can that's gonna go you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so that's that's a good thing and also um, you know I guess whatever cancer was going on in that locker room you know based and I hate to just go off of one game but based off that game against Boston on the road it, it, it seemed like those guys was happy they were. I've never seen them play ha- have that much fun playing all season so far, except for that game when they played Boston with all the new guys. I ain't, they were smiling, laughing when when Crowder and Isaiah Thomas and all them was there. You didn't see none of that, so it made me curious, like who was really like the cancer in that locker room. And now that you know you got these young guys that's excited to play with LeBron James, you know you have a stable point guard in, in George Hill, and he's not like a superstar top tier, but. He's just that point guard that can just that does just enough to get it done. Efficient. And he got the athletic, huh? Yeah, no, he's 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 efficient, man. Yeah, he's efficient. Yeah, yeah, he's efficient. You know, not flashy. You know, almost almost kind of like a a, a a a a broke man's Chauncey Billups, just just real efficient, just gets the job done. Nothing nothing too extravagant. And um, yeah, with Larry Nance, got you an athletic big guy, and and yeah, man, I think it's just amazing seeing how it changed. And I think they said they um. Who said that? I think Jalen Rose or someone said they saw um, Kevin Garnett was there for the Paul Pierce thing, and he had gave LeBron a hug and was like, "Yo, man, it's something different about y'all. Like y'all different. I can just tell." So like for other NBA legends to, to like notice that and see that you know <laughs> they playing with so much energy and so much happiness now, it's like wow. Like, but does this mean they're gonna make a run and win? Have possibly win championship? No, they're not. I mean they. This team is still not. This team still won't beat Golden State Warriors in a um, seven-game series. But if now, if you ask me, if they have a chance to make it out the East, I would say that I would say that that's a possibility now. Because before, I remember even last week and the week before last, I was saying the way that Cavs have been playing, I didn't even see them getting out the second round. The way how everyone was not playing defense, nobody was committed to doing anything. They wasn't trusting each other. I'm like, man, they are gonna get popped in the second round. But now, I can honestly say they have a shot of taking coming out the East again. But will they have a shot against Golden State? No. But you know, I thought it was a cool move. I, th- I thought the GMs they had to do something. They had to do something mm-hmm. because you could not let this season continue with that same exact roster and everybody talking and whatever was bus is going on. Rumor also another rumor has it they said uh, Joe Crowder and LeBron James got into a scuffle in the locker room. Like it's just so much Whoa, cancer I didn't stuff. Hear that one. It was a rumor. Oh, yeah. yeah, rumor. I don't know how much truth was that too, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, now they, they got that, they got all that cancer out. You know, that's good. The, 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 uh, Dwayne Wade move, I think that was just all of LeBron James saying, hey, look, man, this ain't working out. You know, like once you just, you know, I'm going to talk to James, whatever, send you back to Miami so you can be on your, so you can retire either this year or next year be your last year. I think, I think LeBron and Dwayne Wade had like an understanding. Dwayne Wade knew. It just wasn't working out in, in the Cavs. They that roster that they had wasn't working out. You know, look, let me just go back to Miami to where I belong and finish out there and, and 
be on my be on my Kobe ish uh, next season mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah, man, I um I loved it. Uh, I loved it for Cleveland. Uh, and I I think the roster is like you said, uh, like you said, BZ, like just much better. Uh, it will help them compete better in the regular season and the playoffs. I love that they got younger. That's what they needed to do. I know LeBron likes veteran teams because he likes to have those teams where um, where the veterans just know where to be on defense and he doesn't have to you know worry about it. But, I mean, we've seen it with Miami and we've seen it with Cleveland. Like, when you get these veteran teams around LeBron, like, eventually they all break down and then it's just LeBron again. So I love that they got younger. I love that they got athletic shooters, um, a pick-and-roll threat, and Larry Nance, who can just, the lobs are going to be crazy there. But uh, the one thing I said on my Instagram Live, when I did an Instagram Live at the trade deadline, I talked about the thing that Cleveland still needs is, like, yes, this made them a lot better, but at the same time, this still makes them nowhere near Golden State because LeBron needs that dynamic guard. He needs that Wade in Miami. He needs that Kyrie in Cleveland. Like, he needs that that top-tier dynamic guard who can get you a bucket, who can take over the offense. And right now they don't have it. And that's not saying that Kevin Love's not a star because Kevin Love is, and he's good when healthy. But the problem is that LeBron just needs a guard who can create and run the offense. And, and you know, obviously that's something that Kevin Love can't do the way, the way a Kyrie or a Dwayne Wade can do. So if you had this team with Kyrie still, I would be like, okay, now I can actually see them competing against Golden State. But without Kyrie, this is a team that might, like you said, get out of the East. But I don't see them competing with Golden State. There's no might. They are coming out of the East, trust me. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I First of all, um, you know, it was it was definitely uh, interesting to see all the moves. We knew IT was going to get up out of there, man. They were going to get him up out the paint. And... Um, and, you know, I, I've been saying, you know, even before, you know, most of the media caught up to it, that Jay Crowder just didn't want to be there. That's why you guys need to listen to us, man. Because um, <laughs> a lot of people were saying that. I was like, Jay Crowder just doesn't look happy, you know. And then as it went on, and now he's throwing shade at the Cavs, talking about he loves playing in the system, um, you know. And, and and they're also saying that he was the one talking about LeBron was assist chasing. But, yeah, I think, I, I, I think B, it was IT. And IT been talking since he left. And um, what's his name? Chris Boussard said. I was talking to somebody yesterday close to Isaiah. And they said he has absolutely no love at all for LeBron. Like, this is real. Like, he doesn't. He felt like LeBron kind of talked down to him when he was there and so on and so forth. And when, he, when Isaiah first got there, they actually were hanging out a little bit and it was cool but it soured pretty quickly. So this is real. I could see that um, because I don't know if LeBron has the respect that he he, he had for Kyrie because say what you want, man, and we'll find out the truth. We'll know what really happened somewhere down the line. But LeBron, I think, really did like Kyrie, man. He saw something special in him. And um, to lose his, his partner for three years – you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that that did something to him. So you bring in IT, and IT started talking crap, and that's the, you know, things just fall apart. Kevin Garnett is right. They are different. You know, even watching them tonight, they're running up and down the court. Um, they're making buckets, and I think that second unit is really going to be the key. 
when you think about what the Cavs did on their their run, eighteen out of nineteen, I mean they went ten deep, and they had a. I think even now, still, their bench is one of the high scoring benches in in the NBA. But that's what they did really, really well. And I think with these additions, they're going to be able to, to continue that success. Um, do they have the Kyrie that, 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 uh, a second guy like a Kyrie? Nah, I, I don't know who could be that guy. I think Jordan Clarkson, maybe. Um, cause he, he's a, he's a flat out scoring machine, but time will tell what happens when the playoffs happen. So there's still some questions that, we have to answer, but for right now, um, they're focused. And we're talking about B, you're right. We're talking about guys in Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, who just got to the playoffs for the first time last year, George Hill, who was stuck in a losing situation. Like, I'd be happy as hell, too. <laughs> right. What were you guys' um, overall thoughts on Jordan Clarkson before he came to Cleveland? Oh, I thought he was he was always a, a instant offense type of guy. You know, he was always explosive, explosive guard, you know, that can that can play both guard positions, that can play and defend both point guard and shooting guard. Yeah, I think Clarkson, I mean, Clarkson was a baller at L.A. At LA. So, you know, I, I thought the GMs and the Cavs, they did a good job of kind of getting 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 some good young talent, youthful guys on this on this Cavs team, man. So, yeah, I, I always thought Clarkson was a was a uh, was a scorer, man. Like before Kuzma and, and and you know Blonzo was there, I was like, man, that dude is a, is a scorer, man. That dude got he got game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Clarkson, I've always been high on Clarkson as a as a starter slash six man. Like I think he's, I think he, if he's on a team where he's your fourth or fifth best starter or like or like your first man off the bench, then that's a good team. The problem was he was kind of like for a minute he was like the man in L.A. and he didn't really have anybody outside of, uh, you know, outside of like D'Angelo Russell tried to be for a year and like you know they they didn't have a star like a LeBron so I think I think we're about to see a whole new Jordan Clarkson because LeBron especially of all superstars but superstars in general really raised the level of of the role players because they take a lot of that pressure off. So now Clarkson can be just a, a guy who go and gets a bucket. It doesn't have to worry about doing, you know, everything to worry about, you know, getting other people involved or whatever. He could just be used as a high volume um, score when LeBron needs some rest or when LeBron wants to delegate. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a great move. And like I said earlier with the, with the Larry Nance acquisition, I, I think that one's personally the bigger one because, He's a guy who you absolutely have to watch the lob when he rolls the basket off the pick and roll. And that kind of guy, sometimes you need to send an extra person. And if you fill this team with shooters like like the Cavs did, that's a huge thing. Like That's why I really wanted the Cavs to get DeAndre. As great as he is defensively, that lob threat is really going to have a lot of defenders have to suck in. And then that leaves the three-point shooters open. And we all know how LeBron can find those shooters uh like the best of them so i really like those i really like those two acquisitions and and as well as hood um a nice a nice shooting guard who's got size inconsistent but i think i think we're about to see what he's made of in cleveland i think we're about to see with the Cavs, me and my youngest brother we always talk about how lebron has never played with young wings ever in his career right like the youngest guys was um darius miles and uh uh uh, uh 
uh, Ricky Davis, if you, if you guys remember that Cavs roster, right, when Brown was a rookie. But those were the most athletic guys that he's ever played with. And when you have a guy that's such a playmaker, pseudo point guard, point forward, uh, you know, arguably the best passing small forward to ever play, you need guys on the wing that can sometimes get ahead of Bron. Because Bron, at this stage in his career, is more of a passer than he is a finisher. Not saying he doesn't finish, just saying that his playmaking supersedes his finishing ability not nowadays, right? Um, and, and, and for him at this stage of his career, to get young guys like this that are, first of all, hungry, right? Because they don't know no better. Hey, look, mm-hmm. we, I ain't never tasted the playoffs. We about to hit the playoffs. All I know is what my job is, right? Jordan Clarkston, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance. Um, and then they got a veteran guy in George Hill that can calm the storm, you know, be another voice of reason in that locker room, somebody that's been through some of the battles. Um, but I, I love what they did, man. Jordan Clarkson, I think, is going to be the, the key to making all of this work because he's the guy that's just a guard. And for as long as Ken and B have known me and we've been watching LeBron, I've always said that LeBron needs to play with a scoring type of point guard. Because LeBron is the pseudo point guard. He's the one that wants to make the plays, you know, make the passes, the cross court uh, passes on on point, you know. So you got to be locked and loaded and ready to go when you play with LeBron. And you can't play, LeBron can't play with a pass first point guard. He has to get a guy that can score. George Hill isn't necessarily, like, people don't think of him as a scorer, but he's not necessarily a pure point guard. He's just kind of a combo guard, too, that can play bigger or smaller guards. So both of those guys, that tandem, I think is going to be key. Um, I, I just I love what they did. And I think that and I've said this on several, several occasions, too many GMs are scared to pull the trigger. You got to pull the trigger if you're trying to be great. You know, like you, you like we can't just be resting on our laurels. You got to make moves and you can't be scared to make them. They traded six guys and got four guys in return. And everybody that they got back is better than every guy that they sent out. That's how you win a trade. And and at the end of the day, what you did as well is solidify yourself for the future. OK, Brian, you don't want to come back. We still got K-Love and we got a, a, a lottery pick this year. So that that's cool. That's cool. We'll be all right. But you know what, LeBron, I at this point, he'd be a fool to leave this squad because I don't think he can go anywhere else and get more talent. Now, if he does leave, the only reason why you leave is for a better head coach. And the only person that you're going to go to is Popovich. So if you don't go to San Antonio, there's no reason to leave the Cleveland Cavs. Maybe if you wanted to go to Philly, I get it. But maybe that's the only other place. Houston? Honesty, huh? Houston? With Chris Paul and Harden, I don't think it works from a basketball. I, I see that. Yeah I, yeah, I see that. I see the fit being not as good as everybody likes, but I don't know, man. LeBron, uh, LeBron with Harden, I like him with Harden. I I, I just don't know about Paul because Paul's a more ball dominant guy. I think Paul's okay with sharing sharing the ball with one person, but two people, I don't know. That might be pushing it for a guy like Chris Paul. Yeah, but you, but 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 you, 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 you can manage that through rotation, you know, because right. Chris Paul's already the first guy to come out of the rotation, right? And then they just let mm-hmm. James Harden go at it, and they want to take James Harden out, Chris Paul, and then is the Chris Paul right. show, right? So, so, so you could do that. But my thing is, is that now you you're adding three ball dominant playmakers. I, yeah. I just and now can LeBron play off the ball? Of course, we've seen him do it, but LeBron that's at his not best. his best, exactly. 
that's not at his best. LeBron at his best, he needs the rock. And I just, I don't know how you make that fit. Not even D'Antoni, because D'Antoni's system is pick and roll one guy, and he makes all of the decisions. You know, he he, right. he likes the Bill Belichick type of system. Hey, get it to Tom Brady, and let just let him do what he do. He just pick right. you apart. So I, 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 I just, I don't see how that'll work. But in San Antonio, I think with a Kawhi Leonard, Oh. Now he gets the guy that can guard KD, so he don't got to guard KD the whole damn game and get crapped on like 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 KD typically does to LeBron now, let's be honest. Um, so I, I think that's the only other spot. Philly, obviously, because they're young, they have Embiid. Um, you know, he's proven to be, to, to at least be one season healthy. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, they still manage this back-to-backs. Now he's starting to play back-to-backs. But, um, you know, he looks good. And, and if he can stay healthy with Ben Simmons and LeBron, that's a problem. But I, I like what Cleveland has done. And the other reason why I like what Cleveland has done is because now you don't have anybody anybody else to challenge LeBron's prominence and dominance, right? LeBron is clear-cut the best player. Everything comes through LeBron. The second guy that's going to eat is Caleb. All of you guys do what you do. They're role players, and they're young, athletic role players. So, so the only... Now, there's two things that I see that can be issues this season or as they go through the playoffs. Can they establish an identity? And what do they look like when they face adversity, right? Now, the one thing I do like is that I think the young guys, they're too young to to know better. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think that the moment, maybe the finals, if they make it to the finals, right? Um, I think that moment might be could be a little bit too big for a couple of them. But throughout the playoffs, I don't think that that moment can be too big. And I think that they just might play out of this world. And, you know, obviously Golden State has the bigger names. Uh, they have the better chemistry, obviously. Um, they have the better system. They have the better coach. They have a lot of things in their favor. If Braun wins this chip, man, man, I, I, man. I, I I think this this supersedes the comeback from down three one. Like agreed. like agreed. Like, he like, needs a guy like Kyrie. Mm-hmm. If if you gave if you gave LeBron this exact team like the traits that they made at the deadline, and then you had still had Kyrie, man, that would be a or team not, I would say knows. okay okay give give that that'll give Golden State a problem for sure because the athleticism and all that like you said man that's that's key LeBron. <laughs> needs these kinds of young talents um you know i know he prefers the veterans but you know if he it, but he needs these young guys you know i was thinking about this right kyrie's gone way's gone and i'm looking at this new team like who is that for him on the squad jordan clarkson because i i think he's gonna i think he thinks he's it <laughs> yeah he definitely um, thinks he's it and he can score. He can score. And maybe this could be him. Maybe LeBron can help him elevate his his game to the next level. I don't know. We'll see. But he was just stuck in L.A. and stuck on a Lakers team that really had no direction until Magic came aboard. And that direction didn't include him. So now you go play with the best player you know in the world. Not only that, you get a chance to go to the playoffs. You've never been. And this is what you all have been, been wanting for. Same with Rodney Hood. I think he's going to be a key, too. Um, but I think this team fits perfectly for who LeBron is. Like, it has so many different pieces and parts 
that they can kind of move in and out and they can play so many different styles. Um, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this plays out because he got shooters. He got guys that can run up and down the court. Um, he got the veteran, you know, in, in George Hill. J.R. Smith seems like he's happy again. Um, I think I think Tristan Thompson's probably going to lose his job. He got another Deli and Chetty. Like, and he got a shooter, a likes out shooter in Corver, who's perfect in the regular season, but he can't shoot in the playoffs. Uh, and Jeff Green. So it's exciting, man. But I think what made it exciting is just the fact that they made all these moves. You know, we don't see this in the NBA, not at this level. First time in 30 years. And George Hill already basically put everybody in their place. He said, we're Robins. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, Ralph, no egos. He said, we can, we're we here to do our job, play a role. We're all Robins to his Batman. Yep. And yep. What do you, what, that's it. That's, that's it. exactly what they are. And, 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 and the thing is, is that, and pretty much all of their roles throughout their NBA careers, whether it's been, you know, George Hill or, or the younger guys, that's what they've been. You know, I don't think nobody's come in talking about, you know, I'm going to be a superstar or, you, you know, there's sometimes, man, like you have to project a ceiling for people. Right. Rodney's hood ceiling. He, he's pretty much almost reached his whole ceiling. Like, How much better is Rodney Hood going to get? A little bit more efficient, a little bit more experience. But he's not going to turn into no superstar. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't think that. I don't think Jordan Clarkson is going to turn into no superstar. These are solid rotational young pieces that provide shooting, shot creation, and finishing ability, and also athletic enough to compete at the defensive end, even if they may not be considered a top defender. Jordan Clarkson plays the passing lanes. You know what I'm saying? Rodney Hood is a six-eight shooting guard. Uh, Larry Nance is a rim protector, finisher, you know, so, so I, and we already know about George Hill. He's been in the league, you know, 10, 12 years now, but like, I, I, man, look, this Cleveland team, do they need a little bit more seasoning? You know, obviously they can add something in the off season. Of course. I still think that like a guy like a Deandre Jordan, you know, a rim runner, um, offensively pick and roll, uh, a rim defender defensively, you know, or e- even if he doesn't get a lot of blocks, he's changing a lot of shots. I think that's the one aspect of this squad that's missing. But outside of that, man, like like this is scary. This, this, like this is scary. And, and they're still not at 100% because, look, let's be honest, before IT got back, K-Love was damn near a 2010 guy again. Mm-hmm. And why is he not going to be a 2010? He's the, the clear-cut second option. Yep. The clear cut, like who, like none of you guys can do what K Love does. K Love is going to eat out there. He's going to eat out there. And if Rodney Hood already talking about, I never had wide open shots like this, bro. You, about- <laughs> K Love, I'm going to be even crazier, bro. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. man, I, I I I like it. I like it. And you know what, man? I think I think uh, Dan Gilbert, man. He I I I I think he too shade Bron. I think he too shade Bron because if Bron leaves. Hey, look, man, we did everything in our power to make sure that you have the best squad to compete. If you want to leave, that's on you. Um, because with this squad, if you, if LeBron, I'm not talking about, oh, if you put KD, no, 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 LeBron. With this squad, he should be able to compete for championships. They, they, I think now, again, they are the favorites to come out the East. And y'all know I was early mm-hmm. on Boston. I was like, hey, no, nah, they're not, they not getting past Boston. They could beat Boston now. Moving on. <laughs> 
B sent us this uh, in, in the Dead End Sports text thread. And the funny thing is, B, you know, I saw this uh, right when I was heading out, and all I could do was roll my <laughs> eyes, man. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, so uh, for those of you, of you that, that don't know, and we have some people that just wa- uh, listen to us just to keep up with sports. They don't even watch sports. They just like to listen to us. Um, LeVar Ball is back again. And um, <laughs> <laughs> this fool said that Lonzo won't sign with any team unless they sign his two brothers. Now, we all know that sounds ridiculous. And we all know that more than likely that's not going to happen. But the fact that he's saying it, the fact that he's back at it again is is a problem. So, I mean, I mean, what 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 are the Lakers going to do with, with Lonzo and, and LeVar, man? Like, this is getting out of hand. I think at this point, I think at this point, man, if he hasn't already, I think Lonzo got to at least say something to his pops, man. I mean, I know they've been like a freaking robot saying the same dang on responses and stuff about whenever they, someone asks him about their dad. But Lonzo, he got to he gotta pull his pops to the side because now at this point, I feel like his – this is his pops might mess up his chance of him playing in the NBA again because now not only you look at the Lakers organization and it's like okay this dude right Lonzo is a great fella I mean he, Lonzo seems like he's a cool dude you know like a guy that's you know to himself really about his business and everything no no drama but it's like do you want to deal with the with the drama and the circus that your dad's gonna bring so it's like if Lakers you know happen to not resign him or let him go or release him then I don't think no. Other teams gonna want to deal with that. They're gonna be like, "Look, well, we're not gonna sign your son because you know we're not gonna sign you, Alonzo, uh, because of your dad. Can you get your dad under control and all that stuff?" And then Alonzo might say a, a robotic response again or whatever. And this could mess up Alonzo's ball career, especially if he on, especially if his ceiling is only a solid, like a George Hill type of ceiling. Like yeah, ceiling is like Hill. Then a lot of teams is not gonna want to deal with him now, unless he's like superstar status. Kyrie Irving, Stephen Curry type of status, then I can see teams being like, okay, well, we'll just deal with that. But uh, LeVar, man, he's messing it up with son. Lonzo will end up going out to Lithuania with his brothers and playing over there because he's messing <laughs> it up at this point, man. It's like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're so silly, Ken. I'm, just, I'm serious. And it's like like what I said in the text thread, too, man. It's like he expects his kids to get everything, and they're not even paying dues. Like they haven't even paid dues yet. It's like – Dude, you took your son out of UCLA. You took your your youngest son out of high school, and this is like you want your kids to be handed everything. This you you getting mad just because your son did something stupid as stealing in China, and then the university punished him, gave him you know suspended indefinitely, and now you just want to pack up and run because things ain't going your way. Your son's got to pay dues first, brother. So until the end, I, I just think it's a bad situation, man. Lonzo has to talk to his pops if he haven't yet, man. I hope he has. But yeah, it's getting to the point now where you messing up all three of your sons' potential playing together in the NBA. Like I said before, they're gonna be playing Lithuania together. They ain't gonna be playing <laughs> the NBA together. So they, Lonzo, I mean Lavar, man, I, I, you know, I, I, this, this, this be my love hate relationship with him. Sometimes I be like, man, I like, you know, I like Lavar. He remind me of the crazy relative, blase, blase. But then when he do stuff like this, this has to be the most ridiculous thing he's probably said or done so far since his son has entered the NBA. Yeah, man. I'm I'm with you. Um I think I think Lavar 
how do I say this? Like, I just, I, I just think it's getting old, quite frankly. Like, I understand why he's doing it and everything, but it to me, it's just, it's getting old. And I think even like, even the ESPNs and stuff who traditionally like covered it and promoted it, I think even they're getting sick and tired of it. Like, I'm reading, you know, headlines from not just ESPN, but like Complex and all these other media outlets, and they're just the headline is Lavar's at it again. So, you know, you could kind of tell that the narrative is starting to switch on him, you know, and he, he's kind of doing it a little bit too much as far as like, as far as overhyping his kids and, you know, saying outrageous stuff and everything for attention. But, uh, and, and yeah, you're right, BZ, too, about the, about the whole superstar versus like George Hill type. Like, I mean, we've seen, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple years ago, Steph Curry got his younger brother to uh, sign with the Warriors for like a season. And I think um, I think he got cut sometime in that season, so he didn't even last the full season. So you know, when you are a superstar, you can kind of get your foot in the door. Now, I don't know about getting two in the door. That's two roster spots dedicated to. Uh, that's a that's a lot. You have to be a damn good player. I mean, LeBron's probably the only dude that could get that could get two players in the door um, as far as relatives go. But you know, I. I get it. I get it, though, from Lavar's standpoint, though, because I mean, shit. Let's be real. I don't think either of those other brothers are getting in the NBA unless unless Lonzo brings them in. So, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. You know, and I think that that's the thing that that sticks out to me the most um, is that has Lavar finally reached a point where he realizes that. Eh, Maybe they're not going to get to the NBA. <laughs> Maybe I'm just going to get one in. And, you know, he's he's trying to, like B said, instead of having them earn their way in, ride the back of Lonzo and his mouth to get in. Um, what LeVar has done is with all of the crazy things that he said up to this point, he's put not only Lonzo in a, in a precarious situation, by himself because nobody else is going to want to deal with him and nobody else is going to want to deal with them boys. So let's throw the boys in there too. So the rest of the balls are in trouble, <laughs> but, and, and, and look, to be honest with the way Lonzo's playing, he might be in trouble. Um, so if he doesn't get better, so it, it, it's unfortunate, man. I, I think he, He's ruining a good thing, a good thing that he had going. And now is at the point where nobody wants to talk about him anymore. You know, you don't drug these, you know, these boys all the way overseas. Um, <laughs> and, you know, people are still covering them because, you know, they generate attention, they generate clicks, but that's about it. So what happens when nobody clicks on those posts anymore? And they're not the cool kids that everybody in high school once believed. Because the thing about Lonzo is, let's just be real, Lonzo isn't flashy. Lonzo isn't fun to watch. Like, for basketball people, like, there are certain things that, you know, that we may like out of him. But in terms of, like, the casual fan, nobody give a damn about Lonzo Ball. (laughs) (laughs) So... You know, um, like he's not running out there dunking on people and doing all these super duper fancy passes or anything like that. Nah. So, um, so yeah, man, I, I think, um, I think Lazo, he's probably going to turn into a journeyman unless he turns into like this super duper star and 
You know, he still has a lot of time to develop. But if he doesn't, he's done. He's done in L.A. And and um, <laughs> they got IT now, man. They might get that money to IT. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first, first and foremost, it's not like Lonzo is tearing up the league, right? It's not like Lonzo is Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, you know, some of these other rookies really making an impact. Well, I'm not, not going to say he's not making an impact. Okay. Let me take some of the hateration out of my out of my tone, <laughs> a little bit of that out of my tone, because you know what, I'm being extremely reactionary right now to the news. But um, yeah, man, he's off his rocker. You know what I'm saying? I, look, I've been a Levar Ball proponent. I, I've been on his side. I understand where he tries to come from. But here's the thing, bro. The, the, this is the big leagues, and you, like your kid's not LeBron. Like, your kid is not day one. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be honest. Like, he needs a little bit of seasoning for him to be what he can be, which I still believe he can be a great player in the NBA. Um, But he's not there yet, and you can't make demands. And second of all, how is – when is Lonzo or any one of his kids going to nip this in the butt? You know what I'm saying? I know you, Dad, but, bro, you you, you messing with my money. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Because if – you're already telling the Lakers that if my other two sons don't sign or you don't sign my other two sons, I'm not going to sign. First of all, you're putting words in my mouth. Then what do you think that that does to my value across the league? Like, like you mess it with the money, man. So, you know, I'm always for the money. You know, it's a business. I understand making business moves, getting, you know, your brand out there. I know Lonzo has his own mixtape that he's about to perform out there in Lithuania. And I know I think that thing is dropping like right before All-Star Weekend as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. like, like I understand. Get your brand out there. But you you are not in a position of leverage yet. That's like you flex muscle when Melo comes you know, like, 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 like. Obviously, he's balling out there. But let's say if, if, if he jumps to a different pro league at the highest level, he's balling, scoring 30, 40, 50 points. All right, then you you may have a little bit of leverage, but you you just they don't have that yet. Like, like he he's 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 trying to play with house money, but the house is about to win, man. And 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 it's and it's good when it when it when it comes tumbling down, it's gonna be ugly. And you know what? Like, even though he's trying to pioneer a lot of stuff, I, I, I think he's leaving a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And, and stuff like this is just, it's B-grade, man. It, to me, it's not big baller. Like, big ballers <laughs> don't operate in that way. So, right, man, that's sad. Yeah, and it doesn't help that the Lakers are playing good without him. Um, as, as we mentioned earlier, we started the show off with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and, and the moves that they made. But there were a lot of other trades that went down uh, last week. And some trades were overlooked because everybody was talking about the Cavs. And let's be real, if you're a basketball fan, it was exciting, right? I, I, right. I was, like, blown away, man. We haven't seen anything like that in a while, you know. So what other trades that you guys saw um, that went down? If you have any, I don't know if you have any, but were there any other low-key trades that um that caught you guys' attention or that was overlooked? Absolutely. Um to me to me one that really caught my eye and it's it's two but they're they're kind of done in the same vein was the Alfred Payton and Emmanuel Moutier trades. I mean to get 
Emmanuel Mude, who I'm, I don't remember the draft order off the top of my head, but I think it was like a fifth pick or fifth through eighth, I want to say, somewhere in that range. So a top ten pick um, to give only a second rounder to get him if you're New York, a team that's capped and can't really get young talent, then that was just an absolute home run. I wish my team Detroit would have took uh, – would have threw in a second round pick for a guy like Emmanuel Moutier. Like that is a second round pick for a guy of that caliber that was drafted that early. I know his, his stay in, in Denver hasn't been much, but like you got to take a flyer on that. Like that's a huge, uh, that's a huge get for New York. Like I really like it. Even if it doesn't work out, I love, I'd make that trade a hundred times out of a hundred because I mean, to take a flyer on a guy like that, you have to do it. And same with Alfred Payton. Now, I'm not high on either of these guys right now, but again, you just gotta you just gotta take those opportunities. Phoenix giving up a second round pick to get Alfred Payton, like uh, who was again another lottery pick. Like you have to do that if you're these teams that are just trying to get young talent that can develop and build. So I loved those moves. I thought those were some very nice under the radar trades that I think may pay dividends. They may not, but still, again, it's a move you make. If you're a GM, 10 times out of 10. Hey, Chris, real quick. I know you wasn't on here when we talked about it. I don't think I, I don't even think I spoke with you on Twitter about this. That's surprising. But what do you think about that Blake Griffin trade? Because yeah, I forgot you a, Piston, you a Piston fan just like myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 man. If you come to any games in Detroit, you know, let me know. I'll I'll, I'll definitely be there. But okay. um, I love I love the break, Blake trade because to me it was – it it was a move that you have to make if if you're a team like Detroit. Like you have to be aware of your team state. And to me, Detroit is a team that that hasn't signed a player of Blake Griffin's caliber in a long time, maybe ever. So to sign a guy like that, um, so if you can't sign a guy like that, you have to either draft for him or trade for him. And so you know Tobias and Avery Bradley. Well, they were nice pieces. I know. Yeah, Avery I hate Bradley, to see Tobias go. I hate to see yeah. him go. Hated to see him go. He was he was he was the second best piston this year. Like he was amazing, and he was the best piston even last year. Like he was he was an absolutely amazing player on a good contract. But um, but with him and Bradley, um, you know, you flip that trade for Blake, and I get the injury risks and all that, and it's a lot of money. And the last like year or two of that deal could be pretty ugly if Blake if Blake really slows down and 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 is continued to be injured. Like I get the downside. But if you're Detroit, you have to go for that because your team was nowhere near tank level and they were nowhere near like championship level. So to me, they were in this middle tier where they're like a fringe playoff team and you can't be that. You have to commit one way or the other. And they committed the winning way. And I applaud that. So to get a guy like Blake, I think was an awesome move because I don't think Detroit could get a guy like that under contract for five years any other way. So I, I loved the move, and if you think about it reasonably, Avery Bradley's a free agent this year. He could walk, or he could get like fifteen million a year. So if you get, would you rather have Blake Griffin at thirty plus million a year, or would you rather have Avery Bradley at fifteen million? And Tobias is probably going to get eighteen to twenty something. So between Avery and Tobias, would you rather have? Would you rather have those two combined for thirty to thirty-five million, or Blake for the same price? And I'm going with Blake. A guy who's a star, so um, you know, I, that's what that, I think. That about injury prone, it, it worries me though. Him being injury prone worries oh, yeah. me, but you know. Oh yeah, there's we'll definitely see. there's definitely uh, cause to be 
um, concerned. So I get people that are concerned. And like I said, it could look ugly um, a few years down the line. But for right now, I mean, I mean, Blake and Drummond, like that's that's a nice tandem. And, you know, if you get a star like Blake, you'll put seats in the arena that's been struggling with attendance. And not only that, but, you know, with having Blake and Drummond, you can, you know, maybe convince a third guy to come in now because now you got two. So, you know, maybe you can get three. So maybe Blake's a guy who who gets you the third guy. And so I think I think it was a great move for Detroit. I, I totally understand it. I think we gave up a little too much. That's all. I just think we gave up too much. Like the draft picks, Tobias and Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley, I kind of understand because I don't think he was going to be in for the long haul anyway. But um, I didn't like. I didn't want to see Tobias Harris go. I was like, man, yeah. if we could at least kept him, maybe throw in, you know, a Stanley Johnson and Avery Bradley. Something I'd have been happy. But but it's funny though because since Blake been gone, Stanley he been kind of stepping up now. So yeah. I, I, I was so against the Pistons trading Stanley. Stanley's like the last young guy we had under a rookie contract. So to he me, he's playing, so valuable. He's been, he's been playing horrible, though, before, before yeah. that trade. Oh, yeah. But you can't, again, it's the same thing with Moody and Peyton. Like, to me, you can't give up on these guys who are top 10 picks who are, you know, only 21, 22. Like, I can't give up on a guy like that that young, you know. Yeah. One of the interesting things was not, was the Clippers choosing not to trade Lou Williams and DeAndre? I think that was the biggest thing at the deadline. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that's the biggest one. And look, 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 look. We done seen the Jerry West uh, show before multiple times across the NBA. Uh, he's not going to be done. And I don't think Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan are part of the long-term plans. They were part of the short-term. Let's get to the playoffs and see what we can do this year. And obviously, that didn't happen. Or the plan changed. So DeAndre and Lou can be gone in the offseason. And I think that's probably what's going to happen to the both of them. Um, I think that Detroit was was big to solidify the the asset of Blake Griffin right now. So now you got a veteran point guard. You, you got Ish Smith. And I like Ish Smith, man. I think he's very underrated in the NBA. Pressure's point guard, can control tempo in the game. I uh, really like him. So, B, so how do you, how do you feel about Detroit now that they – they kind of look like a playoff team. Do, 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 do you believe in them? Do you see a direction, or are you just kind of eh? Yeah, kind of eh. Um, I'm still not so – I mean, Blake Griffin has been playing terrible as of late. Um, lost to yeah. the Hawks, and we shouldn't have lost to them. We lost to somebody else that we shouldn't have lost to The Pelicans, them. yeah. I mean, yeah, they, won five like, straight, they won five straight and dropped three straight. So it's like it's very hard to kind of gauge where this team is at right now. Yeah, it, it really is, man. And, and I'm I'm just not sold on Blake. I just never been sold on Blake. I just it's just, like I, I don't know, man. I just never he's he's not he's been he's never been that consistent superstar guy that we thought he was gonna be, man. I don't know. I just I'm not sold on that dude at all. Okay, that's cool. I, I like the moves that they made, though. I think they're better I than, than what they were, and I think that you see a clear direction. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's that that's the thing I like. Um, yeah. I, I think what they're missing now is obviously a, uh, I think they got to get rid of Reggie Jackson. I think you, you get rid of him via trade. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and I think you got to get younger at the at the wing positions at the one and two. They need to find them a dynamic 
um, uh, backcourt, but it doesn't need to be superstar backcourt. I think that you need a pass-first point guard that can score, um, and I think you need a, a 3 and D guy at your two because you already have that in Stanley, yep. um, and obviously he's still developing. But then, you know, the, the offense is really going to go through Blake and your pass-first point guard, and then you have Andre Drummond as a finisher, and you have your two wings that can play 3 and D. So I think that's the direction that they go in. Um, so I, 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 I like what the moves that they've made. And then obviously this year to kind of solidify the playoff push, right? You need guys like Jameer. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but nothing really stood out. Where you guys, wait, last one. Were you surprised that Kimba didn't get traded? Uh, mm-hmm. no. Nah. Charlotte, Charlotte doesn't have, again, they're not a destination for stars. So I think I can understand why it's hard for them to part with one. Um, even though I think now was the time to do it when he's on a two year deal and has, uh, and it's a very team friendly deal at only twelve million dollars. Um, so, I, I think it's a. I, I, I think it, I'm not surprised it was he wasn't traded, but I think they should have looked to trade him. Well, here's the thing. I think I'm more surprised Nick Batum wasn't traded because that's the word. Like, look, Kevin, yeah, like, you're 100 percent right, right? Like, you can't and on teams like that, you can't get rid of guys like Kemba. Mainly because right now, even though like they're stuck in the playoff purgatory, right? They're good enough to make the playoffs, but what are they really doing? They're not doing nothing. Then you don't. Uh, can't, then you cannot draft the young enough talent that you need to kind of make the moves that you need to make for the future. So, with all that being said, um, I think Nick Batum was the guy that you needed to get off the books, mainly because. The only way that you're going to be able to improve this team is going to be through free agency. And obviously that's going to be tough, mainly because you only have Kemba, right? So so with them, I think they either need to trade uh, whatever the hell they got that they can trade in terms of Michael K. Gilchrist or whatever. And I think they need to, they need to look at draft picks. And I know that's not going to that's not going to tickle Kemba's fancy. Because at where he's at right now, I know he wants to start to compete. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, I know Kemba's going to want to start to compete uh, because his peers, they're competing. And he's not. And he's on their level. So I know how that can eat at you as a competitor. Um, but Michael Jordan, he got to do something, man. He, 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 he kind of has to figure it out. He has to figure it out. But I think Batum got to go. The Celtics. <laughs> uh Celtics got off to a hot start. Everybody was talking about Kyrie, Kyrie balling, this, that, and the other. Um, what, 16 straight? And um, lately, they've been four, five, six games above 500. Um, lost three out of four. Nobody's talking about it because everything's really, all of the attention been on um, been on the Cavs. So, a lot of people had <laughs> the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, myself included, at the time when they were playing well, had them in the finals after they beat Golden State. Um, but, nevertheless, they haven't been playing well. So, what, what's going on with, with the Celtics, man? Like, are they getting a pass for their play? Is this something we should be concerned about? Um, what, what, what's going on in Boston? I agree with you. I think it's alarming, Ken. Like, I think, I think we should be alarmed because I mean, to even extend that sample size of the last four games, if you go over the last 15 games, they're, they're seven and eight with a losing record. So, 
Um, so it should be a little bit concerning, especially when um, two of the two of your recent losses are blowouts by the Raptors and the Cavs, who are some of your biggest threats in the conference. So there's definitely room to be concerned, um, especially because you know you looked at the beginning of the year how this team was was overachieving and it was a magical story and everything. Um, but you know, I think I think to me this is kind of just a stretch that w- should have been expected because when you're relying with on young guys to be big contributors like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like, you know, statistically, you know, and, and, and historically, like that just doesn't work too well. Having, having young guys, um, having young guys be big factors on a, on a team. So, so to me, there, there's some, there's, there, there should have been more, um, there should have been more um, foresight to this happening in my opinion, but also at the same time, you know, teams go through stretches all season. Like, I'm not, I'm not really worried about the Celtics. Like, I still think they're one of the best three teams in the East, um, and I still think come playoff time, like even though their offense is bad, their defense is good. And um, when you have a guy like Kyrie in the playoffs, like that's just that's just gonna really help. And that's gonna and that's one of the best things to have is a guy like Kyrie in the playoffs who can get a bucket on anyone. So, um, so I think he'll help elevate their offense. Uh, but you know, yeah, I'm just, I, to me, so to me, I guess, I guess I'm just not as concerned because I kind of more so saw this coming. Um, I just didn't think what they had was too sustainable, but, but, you know, they've been, they've been proving me wrong all year. So who knows, maybe they are closer to the team that they were at the beginning of the year, but I think they're, I think they're closer to what we're seeing now, which is a, which is a, slightly above 500 team than as opposed to the team that won 16 back in, you know, October and November. So they were overhyped. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. They were overhyped in my opinion. Um, you know, and that's no disrespect. Like, like everything changes if Gordon Hayward comes back. Cause to me, like J- Jalen Brown and Tatum and all those guys, they can be really good. They could be far better role players than I thought they could. Um, the problem is right now they're just having to be starters and kind of like co-stars. And so that's an issue. But when Gordon Hayward comes back and they're allowed to just kind of be themselves and fill around the team, like that's going to be a huge thing. So I think, you know, whenever, whenever he comes back, like it, it'll, it'll be huge. It'll be huge for them, obviously getting a guy like him back, but I think it will also help the young guys a lot. And that to me is really all it is. It's just my kind of, I, I just always have had strong beliefs, and you know it's it's hard for young guys to be solid contributors early on in their careers. So that's kind of where my skepticism came from with the Celtics. Yeah, um, I you know long season, you know it's eighty two games. It's going to be stretches where you're going to look like a top tier team. Sometimes, for the most part, most teams, yeah. you no, know, most good teams is going to go through stretches where you look invincible, and it's going you're going to go through a stretch where you questioning how is the season going to end or how is it going to turn out come playoffs? And I, th- I just think Boston is hitting a, a, a mark in the season where they just kind of having a rough time, you know, having yeah. a little of a, a rough stretch, um, you know, because they still 40 and 18. You know, they still like what I think Toronto just surpassed them as the number one seed. But, um, you know, yeah, they 40 and 18. They still have a, a, a great record. I just think they just hitting the patch. 82 games, man. It's just, it, that's a long haul playing from from November to to. You know April, so you're going to have some you're going to have some stretches, and I think this is just a bad stretch. I think they're going. I think probably after the All Star break or 
heading in close to March. I think I can see Celtics getting back on the on the you know on the right path and start playing good ball again. Um, I kind of agree with them being a little uh, with Chris about them being a little overhyped. Um, I just really think with Gordon Hayward going out, I think that kind of gave him a boost of inspiration. Like we gotta yeah. try to do, play this for 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 Hayward and and let's see you know. Hayward and let's see, let's try to make the best out of this season. You know, let's let's try to do this for him. And I think that's why they started off so good beginning of the season because it was like they was playing with a chip on their shoulder. And you know, after a while, wearing tearing back to backs and stuff, so on and so forth, they just hitting they just hitting a, a, a speed bump. That's all. There's a couple of speed bumps, and I think they're gonna be okay, man. I mean, I think Kyrie, he's in a great situation. I think we I think we've all said this in several different occasions that. The uh, Boston is pretty much setting themselves up to be like the cream of the crop in the East for the next, you know, four to five, maybe six years, depending on what moves they make with Danny Ainge doing that front office. But the young guys they got, and I love Jalen Brown, man. I like Jalen Brown. Tatum seemed to be proving me proving me wrong because I didn't think he was gonna be that that much of a baller as much he's proven now that Gordon Haywood stepped up and, and I mean got injured and 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 Tatum has stepped up. And um yeah I think and I like that they got a backup point guard off the bench number twelve I can't I keep forgetting his name Rozier yeah yeah, yeah yeah I like him I like him I mean they got like a nice yeah. little group of young guys that can be promising for the years to come so I just think right now Boston is hitting the speed bump I'm not I'm not hitting the panic button saying oh my god I think they I think they're gonna still be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, against Cleveland um this season this playoffs but you know they're just yeah. hitting the speed bump. Yeah, I I agree with that. They're not going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're not. It's over. You believe in the Raptors? Oh, wait, wait. So Ken, so Ken, so you you trust the Toronto Raptors? Hell I no. Do. I do. Why, oh. you trust, why you trust the Toronto this season? Ken, we've seen this story play out so many times. So what what makes you believe in Toronto this season, opposed to the last five years? Well, you know, last year was Brad Stevens first time getting out of the first round um can he build off of that probably but you know that remains to be seen it's not like he's been killing it in the postseason either um i just think this team uh is is, is slightly a little bit different man uh veterans you know they've been there and um and i and, and i think like in the past i think they've Play with a certain arrogance and overconfidence when when they were the number one seeds and whooping on whooping up on everybody. This year they're just they're just playing ball and they're just going about their business. But I, I don't know if it's more about the Raptors or the Celtics. So, like for me, I I, I think B you said this: losing Gordon Hayward gave them a shot of adrenaline. Kyrie Irving was extremely motivated to prove that he's his own man. But, you know, when when they were winning all of those games, and I think I may have said it on this program, like I wasn't a true, true believer, even though as, as time went on I changed my mind a little bit, partly because the Cavs were playing so bad. But they were down a lot, a lot of double-digit comeback wins to inferior talent, um, and that's risky. That's dangerous. You, you you can't play around with that. You can't always rely on your resolve over and over again 
to be the thing that win you games. So if they don't win those games, they're a 500 ball, ball club. You're going to win some of them, but I think they were playing a dangerous game and it's starting to catch up to them. Uh, That's here a very you are. Good point. Yeah. So here you are. You, you've been killing it. You've been at it. And, and now you look up, you have four more. Um, the Cavs only have four more losses than you. And they went through like one of the worst stretches ever. You know, if they start winning and get back to their winning ways and the cat and the Celtics continue on this path, they can easily drop the third or fourth. So I think they are going to need Hayward um, at some point. But I think as we've seen with the Celtics and with Danny Ainge, they're not really overly concerned about this year. They're going to try to win their games, but it's not like a priority. So, um, so we'll see, man. But the other thing I do, I, I have noticed is that, uh, Stevens is definitely managing the minutes a lot. So by the, by the time they get to the playoffs, he'll unleash them. So, um, maybe things will be different. So maybe this is all part of the master plan because Kyrie's playing 30 to 33 minutes a game. So, and you know, so we'll, we'll see. So, um, so yeah, but yeah, it's a long season. It's a long season, but I got the Toronto Raptors, man. Toronto Raptors. Going I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Though. You're getting punked, I can't man. believe it, Ken. You reaching, man. I can't uh, believe you trust Toronto this season. Out of all the seasons, you just believe in the, you just believe in the man. <laughs> all I'm saying is if the Bucks had a competent head coach, if they didn't have an interim coach, if they had a really good coach with Giannis, oh, man, we wouldn't be discussing who's the who's the other team in the East. Oh, yeah, well, maybe, 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 maybe we'll see. Um, anyway, some, uh, so, so last night, <laughs> and everybody's been talking about it today, um, the Warriors, are, of course, uh, are in a bit of a funk. And, uh, and Kerr decided to, uh, to let, let, let the players coach, which is, uh, an interesting strategy. I can't say I've ever seen it before or heard of it before. Um, Extremely disrespectful to the Suns. At least I think so. I don't know if you guys agree. Uh, yep, disagree. I agree. You do? Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I I I see I see it as disrespect too in a way, but also you know I mean the Phoenix Suns have done it to themselves. I heard a stat today that they have tied the NBA record for most forty point losses in a season, and we're not even over yet. So, you know, they're going to be in the history books in the wrong way. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, what, <laughs> have you guys ever seen anything like that? Like, what, what do you guys think about that as a strategy to get your team on, on board, get back on track? Um, uh, it's it's interesting. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, 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 no. I went first last time. Go ahead. I'll okay. talk about the team. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm curious. Like, when I saw that, I was wondering, like, how many coaches – how many other coaches can probably, with the exception of Greg Pop, can get away with this? Like, I, I wonder, like, if any other coaches would have did this, would they would have got slaughtered? You know, would they would have got yeah. hammered? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I wonder, like, okay, Greg Pop can get away with something like this. You know, I can see Phil Jackson in his heyday getting away with something like this. But it's like, what other coaches can get away with something like this? Like, and when I saw that, I was like, just like you said, Ken, I was like, man, that was just so much, so much disrespect. <laughs> um, I think. Um, you know, I, I think with Golden State, man, I think they they going through what 
a lot of teams kind of grow through when you winning, when you're getting so used to winning and stuff don't seem as challenging to you anymore. Um, you know, you just start getting bored. You know, you start getting bored. You start getting complacent. You're not playing the top level ball that you need to play through a long 82 game season. And I, I think I think Steve Kerr was kind of right when he was saying that they were mentally fried because you know going three, four, five years playing from you know late October to June every you know for the for five consecutive seasons, four consecutive seasons that can be draining. You know what I'm saying? I remember Isaiah Thomas said that. In the Bad Boys, um, the 30 for 30 on Bad Boys, how he was saying, you know, all those long runs that they had every single, you know, for five, six years straight, they, it just got draining to them. You know, it just got mentally and physically draining. And I, and I think I think that's starting to happen with this Golden State squad. Minus, you know, this is Kevin Durant's, like, really first time having that championship taste. But he's been playing long ball with um, OKC. They've been getting far in the playoffs. So I just think just as a whole, the team just tra- – they're just trying to find new ways to motivate themselves to make themselves play at the level that they know that they, they can play at to try to, you know, get a championship because it's, it's easy getting that first one, especially when you're Durant. It's getting that second one, that third one, like still having that hunger to still go out there and want to beat everybody because everybody coming at you with their A game. You know, that's one thing, even though I didn't care for Jordan, but that's one thing I respect the hell out of them, them six championships. Teams were still coming at you, and they still had that focus like they like they never won a championship. And they, you know, they already won three. They already won four. They already won five. And you still have that urge to go win your sixth championship. Like, I still respect Jordan for that, man, because that takes a lot of physical and mental stamina. And I just think right now we're just seeing that with Golden State. I, me, personally, I still think they're going to win a championship. I think they're going to repeat. I think Durant's going to be a two-time, uh, you know, champion. But uh, just right now, they just they just trying to find ways to motivate themselves. They, they're bored right now. I think they're going to – I think once playoffs come – they're going to turn it up. They might end up sweeping the first two, maybe first three rounds in the playoffs, you know, once they play at their high level that they can. The bench has been playing really poor lately, uh, the Golden State bench. They haven't been playing up to par. Uh, Livingston been, have been playing good. Andre Iguodala has been playing good. David West. So, you know, it's just they just having a mental a mental block right now, man. That's what I think. This, and that's what I've seen experience from teams that gotten used to winning over the years. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely a mental block. Um, I I also I also think that another storyline of this should be is just like is 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 this should be another nod to Steve Kerr because um, you know how many coaches you're right uh, you're right. Be as as far as like Pop and Kerr are probably the only guys that could get away with it, but also it's pretty unselfish and pretty ego um, and pretty egoless to to give away you know like to step aside and say i'm gonna let the players coach and kind of like almost in a way devalue yourself because you know there's a strong community out there that believes that coaches don't matter i personally disagree with that heavily but um but you know there there's a community out there so guys like current stuff are going to get backlash and they get backlash all the time oh you know they have they have all the stars of course they're winning games anybody could coach them i think that's what one of the Phoenix Suns players said uh, Troy Daniels, but he's got to just worry about staying in the league if we're being real. So <laughs> I, I think, yeah, man, I I think I think you're right though. I think this team is just mentally fried. They're looking for, for new challenges, um, and they're looking for ways to motivate themselves. And I think Steve Kerr just saw this as a tactic to say, hey, one, let me just reassure you guys again that I really trust you guys. 
and you know that I'm instilling a lot of the decisions I'm making are involving you guys and I'm delegating um I'm delegating some of the decision making to you guys so there's that and there's also you know like I'm going to let you guys do this because I think it's something new and I think you guys are looking for new challenges because you're bored and I think that's what motivated them to smack um to smack the Suns by 46 you know um so I so I I like it um I'm with it I, I understand it. I'm I'm totally I'm totally cool with it if I'm if I'm Steve Kerr and if I'm the Warriors and and honestly if I'm an NBA fan I should I mean what's what's the big deal about it? You know, every team runs it their own way and Steve Kerr's even said, you know, he before every playoff game when he makes adjustments, he asks Draymond, he asks Igudala, he asks the guys on the team, you know, do you think this will work? So, you know, Steve Kerr's always been a guy who doesn't make every decision he he's always believed in like community decision making so you know to me this is not the this is nothing new i think this is just new because a lot of fans don't really know that and don't really know that about steve Kerr. so i think that's why it's shocking them but truthfully this stuff is happening all the time man that's that's see this is what great coaching does popovich has done it that's where he took it from um great coach popovich did it yeah popovich yeah he did it with tony parker Mm-hmm. Oh. And Tim Duncan. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They've coached the whole game. So, you know, I, I know where he got it from. Um, you know, obviously he he's part of that Popovich tree. Uh, I think he's the only one with Phil and Pop, you know what I'm saying, where he's played for both of them. So, you know, where Steve Kerr's mind is at, man, like, you know, <laughs> like I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, and the reason why is because when you – allow those type of things to, to happen you know it, it allows you as a as a leader on the squad to hold people accountable um you know the players being able to coach themselves um on and off the court you know what i'm saying um, on the sidelines like 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 it's not like it doesn't happen right like like most times players you know we scheme amongst each other even though coach may say, hey, this is what I want you to do, you know what I'm saying? Like me and B be on the court, be like, hey, B, next time he does this, you know, you cut here. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's just how basketball gets down. So I, I like it. You know what I'm saying? It just shows the, the, the culture of the Golden State Warriors that they're loose. Um, and, that, and for that organization and how they play, that's a really good thing. You know, you don't ever want to really play with a lot of pressure or, or being tense. And I think, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, when you watch LeBron-led teams – that's how they play. They, they they play with the pressure of championship aspirations. But when you can kind of relieve yourself of that and just play freely, that's when you're most dangerous. And that's the reason why – that's another proponent as to why Golden State is as dangerous as they are. Because it's not only that they have great players, but that culture that they have, man, is second to none in the NBA right now. And what Kerr is doing is just another example of that. Yeah, it's, it's a little gimmicky, though. It like, is, yeah. Uh, you know, a little, a little cutesy. You know, oh, we playing the Phoenix Sun. Like Steve Kerr, like s- nobody had to co- could have coached last night, and they would have beaten them by at least twenty. Um, that's just how bad they are. Also, um, also, mm-hmm. let's not. Um, I was just gonna say, let's not as a as another dig. Let's not forget that Steve Kerr, you know, once worked for the Sun, so. That was a little bit of that could have also been a little bit of a knock to the Suns in that way too is another disrespectful shot at the Suns. But you know, I think Jared Dudley, I think he had a, a a good point. Like, you know, and and yeah, I know we can easily say, 
you know, well, it's up to you, you know, uh, to, to, you know, get better and not beat them. Yeah. Uh, the Phoenix Suns have a lot of problems and that is exactly, um, and I think, you know, that is a good stance to take, but I think Dudley said it right. Like, would they do this against the Spurs or the Rockets or anyone else like that? Probably not because they look at that's a game that they have to win. Um, (laughs) So I, I I don't know, man. Like Devin Booker had this to say. He said you can look at it two ways. You can say anybody can coach that team, or you can say it's a good uh, method. Uh, I like the move personally. If I was a coach, I'd do that throughout the year. So I wouldn't even look at it as disrespectful. I'm sure people are going to say it's disrespectful, but I think Steve is an easygoing guy who has that relationship with these guys. But if he didn't have four all-stars, I don't think he'll be doing that. So – you know, one hand he's saying, yeah, it would be cool if I got a chance to do that. <laughs> but on the other hand, he's saying, but he got the all-star, so he's able to do that. But um, but I don't know, man. It's, 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 the, it's the same old stuff the Warriors do every time. Like, they always find this, you know, not to get all Colin Cowherd, but this old Bay Area, look at me, I'm cool, I'm hip type of thing. And uh, <laughs> and he's going to give the, you know, let let them coach, so – um, but at the same time, it shows the the IQ that a lot of the players on that team have for them to be able to go out and do that. So props to them. Platty, we haven't had a chance to really talk to you about uh, about this, and um, we had a debate on this show uh, uh, about two weeks ago. I think we did a Rookie of the Year show. So um, what do you think about, first of all, what did you think about Donovan Mitchell's clutch performance last night? Um, and just his overall play this year, and whether or not do you think that that what he did last night uh, got him any closer to being rookie of the year over Ben Simmons? Um. So yeah, to tackle those questions, yeah. First off, yes, I do think that I do think that um, it got Donovan Mitchell closer because we've seen it with all the awards. Um, the there's a narrative involved um, with Westbrook with the MVP. There was a narrative involved, you know, the whole KD leaving. So, you know, that stuff, as much as we don't want to say it, factors into voting. It definitely does. So, um, so yeah, it definitely helps when a when a rookie is able to propel a team. And, you know, in Utah, now suddenly winning 10 in a row and become this magical team that looked like they were in the depths of the West. And now they're and maybe now they'll they'll make the playoffs, you know, so. It, so there's definitely like that narrative starting to form there, and and so that that always helps when you're chasing an award. And as far as his play goes, um, I've been very impressed. Um, it just every every time I I see his box score, man, I just like I, my heart drops a little as a Pistons fan. You know that I can't believe we didn't take him. Um, you know I knew nothing about the draft coming in, so but I, I heard. <laughs> yeah, man. No, but I knew about him, though. I knew about Mitchell. Like, I was literally screaming when it was our pick. And I'm like, okay, cool. We about to get this Mitchell dude. Luke Kennard. I'm like, oh, my God. And then the next pick, freaking Utah pick Mitchell. I was like, you idiots. Stan wants that 09 Magic team so bad. He's just trying to get every every player. He just got Jameer Nelson back at the deadline. But anyways. Right. Like, why? (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, man, um, no, I think he's I think he's good because he's shown a lot of confidence uh, being the lead scorer. He's shown a lot of consistency, too. And even in his struggles, um, you know, he had games where he went like one for six or whatever. But 
um, even in those games, you know, and, and those stretches of the season, like he's remained aggressive and confident. And that to me is something that very few rookies have. So, um, you know, he's, He's been great. I don't personally think he's rookie of the year yet because I just love how Ben Simmons is playing. I think what? Ben Simmons is the better player. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm i not mad at anybody who says he's rookie of the year. But I, I, I just I, – I think I'm more so just all in on Ben Simmons as opposed to as opposed to being a slight on Donovan. But, you know. Uh, we got another one, B. Got another Ben. ben you guys ben. don't like – no, I, I like Ben Simmons. We got, but another Ben Simmons truther, man. man uh, nah, man, he, he can play. I mean, you look at his numbers; it's it's, it's crazy. But um, he's just not doing what 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 um what Donovan Mitchell is doing, man. Like it's it's just it's crazy to see that, and it's been a slow burn for him to come to national attention uh he's been one of those other guys that you know we've been talking about early on this show um just watching him play and just seeing uh the poise and like b just said and i'm pretty sure he mentioned that the on our coverage of the draft how he wanted uh the pistons to take donovan mitchell and it never happened so um so yeah man so i I think it we have a long way to go we have like 30 something games so he has um he has a lot of work to do because mm-hmm. nobody knows who he is. So he doesn't have the brand you know, I hate saying this word, but he doesn't doesn't have the brand recognition that a Ben Simmons does. And to be honest, he doesn't do as much as Ben Simmons does on the court. And in this day and that age it's to about what it comes down to. Yeah, it's about stuffing the stat sheet and you know, those old school guys that just go out and get buckets, you know, don't are not really looked upon as as um as the guys anymore, which is unfortunate, yeah. man. It's the analytic era. That's what we in. The analytic era. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Um, no, I, I'm not mad at I'm not mad at anybody who says Donovan Mitchell now. Like he's he's a beast, and you know as much as we talked about his offense, he's just as good on the other side of the ball. So um, he's a great two way player, and it breaks my heart that he's not in uh he's not in the Motor City. Well, yeah, you know, that steal that that he got to, I think, put him up one last night. And then, you know, just just his composure, man. And, yeah. And and his he's not afraid to take tough shots. Like, he has that in him. So, and I think he has I, – I, I think he has star, superstar potential written all over him to the point where they even got gotten rid of – they got rid of Rodney Hood because of him. And he became a starter. That's that's just how good he is, and um, so it's going to be interesting watching his career play out over the years. Although um, I I can be extremely patient about that because that's only going to mean I'm going to get older. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted to do something a little bit different um, and just try to look at some of the teams that are at the bottom of the league that nobody really talks about. Um, and see, like, if we were the GM, what would we do to kind of change that team? Like, there are certain things we could do now, you know, um, in ter- excuse me, in terms of playing certain people, not playing certain people, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to start with, uh, I guess we're going to, I guess it's pick on the Suns week, uh, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, they uh, – 
They're terrible. They um they fired their coach. What didn't they? Earl Watson earlier this year. Yep. Yep. If I remember correctly, yeah, fired the brother. Uh, Earl, Earl Watson in favor of Jay Triano, and they didn't get any better. So, uh, if you were the GM of the Suns, is there like what would you do um, now or in the future? Either or. Um, to me, to me, I think the best method, and uh, we kind of talked about these things earlier in the podcast. Like to me, when you're a team like the Suns who doesn't have a lot of um, a lot of uh, a lot of options as far as free agency goes and stuff, or you're or you're just years away from being an attractive destination as far as free agency goes. The best thing to do for me, uh, I would say, is to take on bad contracts to acquire picks. We're seeing we're seeing because of how bad how much the market exploded in 2016. We're seeing now like that money is super super tight in the NBA right now, and there's a lot of bad contracts going around. So. If I'm the Suns, I would look to take on bad contracts. The problem is they're already capped out because they participated in some of those bad contracts with Dudley and and, uh, and Chandler. But you know, as those become expiring next year, maybe you can flip those for some picks um, and get and get some get some value. Because to me, the best way to build is still through the draft. You have the players the longest. You get to develop them. You get to really see what they are. Um, so I think that's the best move. And or you could just stockpile the the picks to trade it for a star, like when Kyrie became available. Uh, you know, you never know when those kinds of players are going to become available. Anthony Davis might uh, depend on how the boogie situation falls out. So, to me, you got to do that. And what we talked about earlier in this podcast is just taking flyers on young guys. Like, you know, I'm all for moving a second round pick or a first round pick for a guy who's in a bad situation that just didn't work out. Like. Um, you know, that's how you, you, you find those diamond in the rough players. And, you know, like I would have, there's a reason why the, the, why the Spurs were calling the Pistons constantly about Stanley Johnson, because they're like, okay, let's see if this team's dumb enough to get rid of a guy who's 21, but, uh, who's not working, but is only 21 and has the body of an NBA superstar. So, you know, to me, they just they you gotta you gotta look and find young young situation young players in bad situations and say, okay, do do a little bit of research and if you think he's salvageable, move a pick for that, and you know take on and and, and take on that that rookie or that young guy and just see what see what you can develop him into. And Phoenix has a great track record of developing guards, so um, they just have a problem with keeping them or 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 treating them after they develop them. So to me, like going after a guy like Peyton is the right move. So I think they should continue to make those kinds of moves um, as well as just look to take on bad contracts in the future if they can um, to acquire draft picks. So B, uh, Josh Jackson, rookie. Um, they just traded for Alfred Peyton and, um, mm-hmm. and they got De- uh, Devin Booker. Now you like Devin Booker, B. You like yeah, Josh Jackson? But um, I think let's see, and they got Brandon Knight, they got Alfred Payton. I would say I would try to ship some of them guards, and and they front court is soft, man. Like you know, Tyson yeah. Chandler is like a shell of himself. You got a uh, Alex Land, and you got a uh, what's some, a dra- Dragon uh, Bender. Bender, yeah, who's pretty much you know, I think a, I think he's a rookie or so or second year. 
Um, Second year, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, you, you got you got TJ Warren who's solid, but I think he's been kind of fighting injuries a little bit. Um, so is Devin Booker, man. He's been fighting injuries this year, but I still like him. But I would, man, I mean, I, I would definitely get front court. I'm trying to think how I would do this. Like, like, well, I gamble in letting Devin Booker go because, and the reason why I say Devin Booker is because mm. I, it don't seem like he's happy there. Like, I, I, I feel like he doesn't want to be at Phoenix no more. Like, and if he don't want to be in Phoenix no more, then let me trade him while they're getting this good. I don't want to keep him until his, you know, until his stock drops or anything, and then team's not going to give me much. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of teams that will love Devin Booker services right now. And if I can, yeah. if I can manage to get a nice front court guy, a good power forward or a center for Devin Booker, and, and maybe some picks, I, I do that. I do that move. Like I said, Devin Booker seems like he is not happy, especially. Especially when they fire Watson, it seemed like he's not happy at Phoenix right now. I mean, yeah, he's still balling and putting up numbers when he plays because that's what he does. But I feel like if I can try to get something from a young, young up and coming superstar that still hasn't hit his peak yet, if I can get some front court guys, because like if, if I let Devin Booker go, I still got Josh Jackson, I still got uh, Elfer Payton, I still got Brandon Knight, I still got you know T.J. Warren, I got Tyler Tyler Ulis. U- I mean, I still got guard play. You know what I'm saying? And like Chris said. Phoenix, they does they do a good job of developing guards. So if I can if I can get a beastly power forward or center or, or a center well power forward really since the game is going smaller a nice good uh, power forward and some draft picks man that's my move I'm making that move. Yeah, but uh, my my thing with that is is like is is two things. One, I think it's it's really hard if you're Phoenix to trade a star like Devin Booker when you don't have another star. Like it'd be one thing if you know if we seen Josh Jackson as a star and you know again he's a rookie so there's time for that but you right. know right now right now we're not saying he's a star you know we're not saying you know oh. all these other guys any of these other guys are a star and also you know with Devin Booker maybe being unhappy I mean that just happens when you lose by forty a lot and you know you got to expect that he'll be happy as a team as a team uh, gets better and improves and also. You know, he's on a rookie contract, which means not only do you have him for four years, but then he becomes a restricted free agent. So you have uh, a lot of control over him. So to me, you know, his value won't really, barring any injuries or massive downplay in, in his uh, in his, in his uh, performance, um, he's not going to lose value because he's going to be a guy that has a lot of, uh, a lot of um, leverage as far as the team goes. The team has a lot of leverage on a guy like Booker. A, a young stud on a on a great team friendly contract, and again he's going to be a restricted free agent when he's a free agent, which is still two years from now. So um, you know they'll have the chance to match any offer. So they really um, have total control of him. So to me, I think it's too early to consider moving uh, moving Booker. But you're right; they definitely need front court help. Um, to me, I would I would I would look to move some of the picks because they got. They got a nice influx of picks. They got picks from Miami from the Drogic trade, and and um, I think they I think they got I don't they don't have the LA pick anymore, but I thought they had another pick from LA. Maybe I'm mistaken on that, but you know they got a nice um, they got a nice war chest of draft picks that they can move for some for some guys. To me, I think the key is just finding young players you believe you can develop into that second star that Booker needs, or you know, or that third star. So. To me, that that's kind of my approach. Is I, I think this team is years away, 
Uh, so to me, I, I would take the more patient route as opposed to as opposed to getting a, a good player, um, a good player now in the front court and then not really having the other pieces to really compete. You know, I, I... – all right, so the first thing I would do is really try to find me a coach, a coach that can develop young guys, a coach that's going to pick his guys and, and, and stick with them. Um, yeah. They have a lot of talent, but they're just not developing their talent. Uh, Devin Booker, just he just had it. Like I didn't think he was going to be the guy that he is now because you hardly saw that in, in, in college. So it was just one of those things that was suppressed based on the team that he was playing on. But they got guys that can play. So – Let's move Devin Booker aside. Marquise Chris showed a lot last year. I think he's unhappy with the rotations um, and probably with Earl Watson being fired as well. Uh, His play has been up and down this year, and his minutes have been up and down this year. Uh, Josh Jackson's minutes has been up and down this year. He's playing a lot better. So I think, you know, between the three of them, you, you you got... some nice pieces, but let's throw in another guy. Let's throw go ahead and throw in TJ Warren in, into the midst because it's really hard to find guys that can flat out score, and that's what he is. He's a scorer. So I think you got you got Devin Booker who who's you know close to being like a superstar, and then you got Josh Jackson. We don't know what he's going to be yet, but he seems to be a utility guy, a little Pippin esque. And um and then I think you got other pieces that can just come in and just just um just kind of fill out the roster but contribute in ways that are meaningful. Um block you know, like I said, Chris can rebound and block shots and he can, he has uh he can score as well. And then what are you gonna do at the five? I think it's time to bench Chandler and play Alice Lynn and see what you got there so you can decide on what to do, what to do with him. Um Brandon Knight, I think Brandon Knight's out of there. That's why you probably trade for Alfred Payton. And, um, he's not very efficient, but, um, but, you know, again, he wasn't probably being utilized properly, uh, where he was at. But more importantly, what in the hell are you going to do with Dragon Bender? Cause we don't know what yeah. he is. He, he's up and down. He's all over the place, um, you know, this year. So I think for me, you have guys that have shown flashes. You definitely have a guy in Devin Booker, like, that's a no-brainer. So you got one guy. Now it's a matter of saying, hey, we're going to build the roster around him and Josh Jackson because he looks like he's going to be able to play. And then you kind of go from there. Um, so that that's what I would do. I would, I would find a coach that can take these guys and build out a rotation and, and build out a nice bench and, and move from there and try to improve the culture of, of um, the Phoenix Suns. Okay, so first and foremost, I wouldn't have traded for Alfred Payton, uh, mainly because I don't think he's a starting point guard in the NBA. It's not the first time that I said it. Um, He he just does not have the offense. And I don't know how you're going to – I don't know the direction that Phoenix wants to go in, right? Because you talked about the rotation and the young talent and assets that they have. Marquise Chris is a guy. He's a young guy. Here's my thing. You got to play all of the young guys. Marquise Chris is going to be up and down because he's young. But you know what? You got to play him. I think you got to start him. You got to move on from Tyson Chandler. I think he's hampering the progression of obviously the other bigs that they have. Alex Land, Jargon Bender. Obviously, both of those guys have had their injury concerns as well. So, you know, it's not all on just having Tyson Chandler. 
But they got to develop those guys and they got to give them playing time and consistent playing time, right? Look at what Minnesota did a couple years ago when they had Zach Levine, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, and Andrew Wiggins. They played them and they had three guys under the age of 21 averaging 20 points a game. Three guys, right? That's how you get guys developing. And now look at Zach Levine playing in Chicago. It looks like he didn't lose a step and he's balling, right? But they had a direction and then they traded and got somebody better. With Phoenix, they got to go the route of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think that they have to – we have to figure out how good um, – uh, what, what, what's the rookie? Um, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. We got to figure out how good he is, right? And then he may he may have to go or he may stay. But like you said, Ken, I agree. Devin Booker is the guy that you build around. But I think that they've already made a couple of mistakes uh, first and foremost, with Alfred Payton, man, um, they, they missed out with drafting Dennis Smith. Uh, I think that in this NBA, you have to have a dynamic backcourt. And Alfred Payton is just not dynamic. Dennis Smith is dynamic. I think that they could get a, a point guard this year that would be dynamic like Trey Young. So then why did you get mm. Alfred Payton? So, you know what I'm saying? Like, like they're, I just don't understand where they want to go. Because if you're going to try to add veterans now, and build it just solely around Devin Booker, you're not going to be successful. That's not a recipe for success. You got to get young guys that can develop with Devin Booker, and then you can make a move for the for the veterans. But they're not there yet. And I think they're trying to expedite the process, and that's what happens typically with bad teams. Then you get stuck in purgatory where you're you make the playoffs, but you're not a championship contender at all. You have to acquire assets and you have to give them playing time so that that way they can develop man and in phoenix they they're just backwards to me man and, and they're not heading in the right like can any one of you guys tell me what direction they're heading in because i i don't see it yeah i, I, yeah, I don't know either I, I think they're unintentionally heading to the bottom like yeah, i think yep. I, I think they're a team that's trying trying to be better than they are as a and you know, sacrificing some of their youth and stunting their stunting the development of the of the youth. But um, FIFA, one thing I wanted to quickly say is um, with Alfred Payton, though, like my thing is, I, I really like that move for Phoenix because uh, I don't really see a guard, a point guard that they have that they should play over Payton. So why not take a, a a guy who was a lottery pick for a second, give up only a second round pick for a guy who was a lottery pick? will be a restrictive free agent who you could let walk why not take a flyer on him and see you know if he can be something i i agree with you i don't think he's a starting guard in today's nba but you know he might be a nice player that you get and now you have control because now he's under your control as a restricted free agent so i i I don't see i don't see why there would be any problem with taking a guy like peyton well because okay so peyton is the asset if you let him walk what do you get in return you get nothing um, and you're not in a position to be playing the salary cap game because who are you really trying to sign as a free agent or who's really looking at you to sign as a free agent? So that move, that's that's the reason why I don't I, I don't really like the move, mainly because in the next couple of drafts, there are starting point guards. And <clears throat> to me, I rather build through the draft. You, you, you take a flyer. That's cool. But you, t- you take a flyer when you feel that. The, the team needs something else, right? And what does Alfred Payton bring different than everybody else, the other point guards that are on the squad? 
maybe a little bit better defensive tenacity, but that's about it. He's not a better passer than the other point guards that they have. He's not a better scorer than the other point guards that they have. I agree with you. He can compete for the starting guard um, on that squad, but is he leaps and bounds better? He's he's at the same level, if not lower. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. But to me, but to me, if he's a if you give up a second round pick for a guy who's, who's a lottery pick who clearly has some type of potential and and is only twenty what two or something like twenty three, so I, I would definitely take a guy that young because even if you even if he ends up being like a like a bottom of the rotation player that you guys keep. Like for a second round pick, that's about the best. That's about what you can get for a second round pick. Like that's best case scenario. And if he doesn't work and you will let him walk, he some team offers him too much money. You know, whatever. That's that's fine. Maybe you could do a sign and trade to get something back. But at the end of the day, a second round pick is is a very small consequence to pay. So I think I think you you know you take him because I'm not looking at it from the perspective of you got to make him the starting point guard of. Uh, and this is going to be your guy you commit to to the future. No, if if a better point guard comes in the draft, you take him and, you know, worry about Alfred Payton later. Like, this wasn't uh, giving up a second-round pick. You're not mortgaging a future for a guy. If you gave up a first, then there'd be a little bit more pressure to, to make him a guy. But giving up a second-round pick, you're just kind of taking a flyer and hoping that, hey, if he, if it sticks and he can become a rotation player, cool. A starter, great. But if 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 we let him walk, that's that's fine. I I, I get where you're coming from. I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, I just I just I I just have to I have to disagree mainly because look at the second round picks that had flourished in the NBA. Right, Draymond comes to mind. Isaiah comes to mind. So right. a, a second round pick is is not as valuable, obviously, as a first round pick. But there is value there, and I think that with a young team that already is loaded with point guard, right? And, and and you're not upgrading. If you're not upgrading, then you shouldn't make a move. That that, that right. I think that's my philosophy. Um because he's not okay, he comes in and he may crack the rotation or he may be again the starting point guard, whatever. He doesn't upgrade the squad. So why why give up that asset at that position when I can draft something even in the second round that may fit maybe not this year or next year but may fit in the future with the direction that i'm going with with the team right like again that's why this move to me lacks direction it's 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 not about alfred payton because again i think alfred payton is definitely a defensive first nba point guard you know but but is he more than that and i think that even with a second round pick i can pick something that is more valuable for my team Right. If you look at all of the greatest coaches, football, basketball, Popovich, Belichick, these guys take no name guys and make them in the guys. Right. Second right. round picks sometimes are those guys. And I'd rather pick the guy I want versus taking a flyer, because, again, what direction does that put my franchise in? Every move needs to be needs to be intentional. And that like a flyer is not intentional. So that's why mm-hmm. I disagree with your logic. OK, I respect that. Yeah, and I, I, think- I understand that. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not like they haven't drafted guys that can play. It's just, what are you going to do with them? So what's the direction? So they have talent, but what are you going to do with it? And that's been their problem. Uh, They haven't figured out what to do with it. And and not having stability at the coach position and making that early change for nothing uh, doesn't help. So so anyway, um, okay, cool. So... 
Platy, thanks for, for joining us, man. Um, um, everybody, make sure you check out his podcast, uh, Basketball and Hip Hop. Chris, uh, go ahead and tell them the name, name of your podcast, bro. Uh, yeah, first off, thank you for having me. You know, I always love chopping it up with you guys. But, yeah, you can find my podcast. It's um, it's called Strictly Hip Hop. It's Strictly Hoop Talk. It's two podcasts in one feed. Um, the titles pretty much explain it all. One's a hip hop, one's a NBA podcast. And uh, I've had Ken on the podcast, both uh, basketball and hip hop. And uh, BZ was on there one time. And uh, FIFO, I haven't gotten you on there yet, but the door is always open, my man. So ben, come on. All right, for sure. for sure. All right, man. We're, we're going to make it happen then. Um, and then, yeah, it's. Uh, it's just a show that has a that does all sorts of aspects of hip hop and basketball, um, hip hop album reviews, discussion pieces like you guys do well. Um, I loved your guys's um, I loved your guys's discussion or your anticipated albums video. I just watched that this morning actually. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of like all aspects of both basketball and hip hop. So check it out and um you can follow me on twitter at real chris platty c-h-r-i-s-p-l-a-t-t-e um and there you'll definitely be able to find the the links to my content and and all that so thank you guys uh thank you for having me on man i i enjoy i enjoy talking hoops with you guys because it's been a minute all right well that's gonna do it for us this week we'll catch you guys uh next time we out peace